The following program is a presentation of Fox Sports Radio Charlotte. The free Fox Sports app, available from Apple or Google Play. And always online at foxsportsradiocharlotte.com. It's time for the Uptown Sports Crowd. Here's Mackie Gallagher with Ben Cole. Good morning, Charlotte, and thank you for tuning in to the Uptown Sports Crowd right here on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte. My name is Mackie Gallagher. As always, I am joined by my friend, my co-host, Ben Cole. We appreciate you tuning in uh, this morning on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte to a fun episode of the Uptown Sports Crowd as we have a lot to talk about. The last couple of weeks has been uh, very NCAA tournament heavy for both the men's and women's side. We have been talking about how unique in a way the women's tournament has been in terms of like not there were some ones and twos in the final four the elite eight but there were a couple eight or nine seeds there you don't really see that on the women's side too much and on the men's side of the tournament same thing there were some teams that we're used to seeing in the past decade or so making it to the final stretch of the tournament but with FAU San Diego State it was just cool seeing a couple new teams that we haven't seen in quite some time making it to the end of the tournament where you know dreams come true as Jim Nance said on his last broadcast but as always we do appreciate you spending the next hour with us on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte, Uptown Sports Crowd. You can hear it every single Sunday from 9 to 10. If you missed the live show, you can also tune in to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts at. Ben, how are we doing on the Sunday before we jump into this college basketball, uh, Masters, NBA, NHL playoff season talk? I just want to see, how's my boy Ben doing? We're doing good. Uh, didn't mean to answer that in third person. I'm doing good. <laughs> uh, but... It's a good weekend. As you kind of said, the Masters is going on. You know, we just had March Madness. We're kind of coming off of that adrenaline rush. But now we have Sunday at the Masters. Does it get any better than this? And although we lost Jim Nance mm-hmm. uh, to March Madness now, at least we get him today uh, in this past weekend at the Masters yep. in Augusta. It's it's so cool as like young aspiring broadcasters trying you know make it in the industry. It's always cool seeing you know people like Jim Nance, Joe Buck, uh, on those weeks or those months where they're calling some of the biggest sports games or biggest sports moments or sports tournaments. You know, back to back, there have been mm-hmm. times where you know Joe Buck is calling the uh, is calling Thursday night football or Sunday night football. Well, that is on Monday night, obviously, but then he's also calling the World Series the same week. Yeah, it's 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 very it's it's wild to think about and all the prep and stuff I that think, goes into I it. I think we talked about um, him earlier this on the show like months ago but Kirk Herbstreet mm-hmm. uh, he was doing college football every week obviously doing game day and everything and then flying wherever he was going on Sunday to also call the NFL mm-hmm. and then you know he was a busy guy he was one of the busiest broadcasters at the time but yeah it's a tough schedule it's it's a tough, tough. yeah when the season's going on I wonder like how much flying but and how when, much hotel reservations and just it's life on the road man right? but you're making millions of dollars I'll I'll trade with them if they want yeah if, if you if you Kirk uh Joe Jim I know we're on a first name basis if you ever get tired uh, feel free to hit me up I'll be happy to <laughs> fill in but no we got a uh we got a fun show we have the uh NCAA tournament recap we would like to talk about. Let's start with the women's because uh, there was some stuff that was all over social media for days after the championship game uh, between LSU and Iowa. 
and obviously LSU won. Uh, it was a very entertaining game. It, uh, it very came, high scoring. Very high, very very high scoring. The most are the most points scored in a women's uh, championship game ever uh, in the NCAA. But uh, it was good because there there were a bunch of runs that looked like Iowa was was creeping up on them, and then at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, LSU just came alive, getting offensive rebounds, not missing a bucket, and uh, the LSU Tigers obviously came out victorious, and they deserve so. They were a great team this year. But uh, there was something that happened. We're not really going to talk about the game, but there was something that happened uh, after the game that you know turned up a storm on social media and uh, sports media outlets throughout the whole week. Still going on now, not as much, but I mean I was it, it was say, crazy yeah, to watch. It, we're we're a little late on it. We Very know. late. You probably already know what we're going to talk about but we'll give our unwanted opinion on the whole matter and break it down if you're unfamiliar with what happened but i will preface uh before i get into it because you said it it's just been blowing up everyone's been talking about it Stephen a every Mm -hmm. big name is giving their opinion so of course we have to but it shouldn't take something like this to get people talking about women's sports Mm mm-hmm Obviously, people were talking about this tournament uh, in particular a lot leading up to this just because of Caitlin Clark and how amazing she has been and how everyone's been watching her. And, you know, you said it in your opening monologue. Um, a cool thing about this tournament is also it was getting insane viewership. Yeah, insane. Uh, you know, higher than every NBA regular season game on ESPN, yep. higher than most college football games on ESPN. Yep. Uh, you name it, it, it. They were getting more views. But... Why why does it take drama and, and all of this, you know, stuff to, to actually talk about it? But I digress. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what happened, LSU obviously won the national championship over Iowa and Caitlin Clark, 102 to 85. Going into this game, everyone was focused on Caitlin Clark. Mm-hmm. Name of the tournament. Uh, her story was, you know, the biggest thing out. And then they lost. And Angel Reese on LSU was kind of, you know, just doing some trash talk, doing some some taunting. Uh, the game was pretty much over at this point. She's just kind of walking around Clark doing the, you know, now you see me thing. You can't see you me, can't John see Cena. Me. Come on, you can't see me, Ben. Sorry. Yeah, the hand swivel in front of your face. <laughs> if you play sports or, you know, watch sports, you probably know what we're talking about. But she did that uh, for about, you know, 10 seconds or whatever, and storms erupted. <laughs> and the reason for this is she... She was mocking what Caitlin Clark yeah. had done in the previous game. Caitlin Clark did the same thing. Now, I'll break it down. They're all in all my opinion on this, it's dumb. It's dumb that it's dumb. It's dumb that Angel Reese was getting any criticism, especially when Caitlin Clark went on shows and said she doesn't deserve any criticism. I don't care. So if I don't care, why do you guys care? Not to mention Caitlin Clark's obviously aware that she did it herself. So it's dumb in the fact that anyone is criticizing Angel Reese or trying to paint her as like some type of villain in this situation. Now, I will say, following that, it's it's people that are just blindly defending Caitlin Clark. Um, I will say, like, there's reason you shouldn't be because, like, the difference, the big difference between this in the yeah. situation was Caitlin Clark did it to her own team in the Final Four against a different team. And then Angel Reese after comes she up a bucket. after she after she scored. She didn't do it at anybody. She didn't follow anybody around. And then what I thought was funny is Angel Reese says, I took that personally. Like, I felt disrespected. And I'm like, why? She wasn't doing it 
even at your team. She wasn't like calling you out over mm-hmm. social media. She didn't do anything to you. Why no. are you personally offended? And before we continue, you hit the point exactly. Like that that was kind of the part that I didn't get. I didn't care that Angel was doing all this no. stuff. It is sports. Yeah. Like it is sports. You're trash talking. They obviously have respect for Caitlin Clark because they said it in the postgame interviews. Like what a great tournament she had. She's a great player. And uh even another uh Tiger said that uh says like Caitlin Clark put respect on LSU's name. I don't mm-hmm. I might be stupid. I might have missed something. I don't recall Caitlin Clark saying anything, you know, about LSU. No. But going back to them saying, I took that as disrespect when she did it against South Carolina. Yeah, like why? <laughs> and they were saying, like, you know, fellow SEC people. But it was like the the way they said, uh, the way LSU was like, I, I just took that as disrespect. It was as if Caitlin did it directly to LSU at the time. And I guess they were just sticking up for their same uh, conference team because, you know, both the Gamecocks and the Tigers are in the SEC. And even Angel came out and said that. And uh, I know another difference that people on so- – once again, I do not care. I love this part of sports. But another reason why people were saying – or giving criticism to Angel was because she did it after the game – following Caitlin Clark, you know, while Caitlin Clark was trying to get to the uh to the handshake line after the game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I watched the clip from a different angle. She did follow her around, but who cares? This is a sophomore in college right. who won the NCAA championship. It's not like they have crazy disdain for her. She took the what Caitlin Clark did to uh the South Carolina as disrespect. Which so she I, was, let, real she quick, was I wanted out. to talk about that. The it also makes no sense cuz she, she said she felt disrespected when Caitlin Clark kind of like sh- shrugged her hand yeah. at a shooter on the three-point arc, giving her space to shoot as disrespect, when in reality, it was just high IQ basketball and scouting report. Mm-hmm. The guard that she was defending, Caitlin Clark, shoots like eight, 20% from three on the year. Why would you play that person up tight when they can beat you off the dribble yeah. and get to the rim? Why even give them that opportunity? Back off, give them the shot, and then start guarding it if they're making it. Right. So it's just good scouting. There's no reason to f- see any disrespect on that, but sorry, continue. No, you're good. And uh, and I do love the fact that Caitlin came out and said Angel deserves no criticism mm-hmm. because the thing that got me on Twitter were there were people that, you know, oh, Caitlin Clark is so cold when she was doing the you can't see me after she did it in the Final Four. And then the moment that videos of Angel Reese doing it in the national championship came up, those same people had a whole different tone with Angel. And, yeah. and I was like, it's the same thing. I don't care. Like, I do not care if, well, Caitlin Clark did it like at a game. Like, those are differences. But the the reaction to the same action that both of these players did in different games was very different. And I know that was, a, a, that was an issue in and of itself. It was very problematic. There were definitely double standards yeah. that were apparent uh, due to preconceived notions of people stereotypes whatever you want to say i mean we can put it out there it's obvious because when you're getting exactly like you said i don't care about one little minor detail it it was it's the same thing there's no reason the adrenaline that's going through your body you're you're you are playing and you and the players and coaches knew this based on the hype that was surrounded around this tournament based on the hype that was surrounded around uh around caitlin clark alone and knowing that lsu was a powerhouse in women's basketball you know that this game was going to be heavily watched. And it was, as you said, m- m- more than any NBA regular season game, more than some college football games throughout the season. So the adrenaline is going. You are in you are in one of the biggest arenas, biggest stadiums you're ever going to play in unless you like make it to the pros or you go overseas. 
and you have people that are going crazy in a, in an intense matchup that wasn't really out of reach at any point up until about the last five to four to five minutes of the uh, mm. of the fourth quarter. And even then, Iowa was going on a, a couple of runs to where it's like if they get a stop here, you know, that could change the game. The thing with LSU that really turned the tide in the fourth quarter was in the clutch. They just did not miss a shot, and yep. their defense was great. And so you have that to take uh, to take into consideration, but the difference in reactions towards the same actions were were just stupid in my opinion. I couldn't believe that it took over social media for three total days. And I know we're talking about it right now. I am coming on to say that it's stupid that it took over yeah. social media for yeah. three days. It's a non-issue. It's a non-issue. Like, and also think about it too, people with they are student athletes. Like they are young. Mm. And I'm not like I'm not saying that's an excuse or anything, but like when you have these grown men and women that are saying they're going to regret this later, and like, like it's just taking away living in the moment. Like you think they are doing this with like hate in their heart? It's competitive. Right. It's sports. It's it's what they have been striving for their entire life as basketball players at great colleges, making it to the most important game that they have ever played in. And for some of these players and coaches, it will be the most important game that they ever played in. And you're focused on, Angel did this, well, when Caitlin Clark did, he did this. Dumb. It's just dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. dumb. But like I said, uh, or like you said earlier, you, it was very funny when they said I took that as disrespect. When it was to, right? it was to a completely different team in the, <laughs> in the same conference. <laughs> like it's like a little rivalry going on. Yeah, that that did kill me. Like the logic wasn't all the way there, but it doesn't warrant all of the hate and response no. from from the public and in the media and whatnot. But congrats to LSU. And then to top it off, we had a little more drama. Are, are, are you going that. where I think yeah, you're going? Yeah. I was about to say, let's pivot. Um, so after LSU won, and this is valid. Again, Angel Reese is valid. Yeah. Jill Biden <laughs> yes. invites <laughs> LSU and Iowa. Stupid. To vi- stupid. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Jill Biden invites LSU and Iowa to the White House following the national championship game. And Angel Reese goes on, I can't remember the talk show it was, but she goes on the media and she says very plainly, and it's 100% correct, if we lost LSU, would we have gotten invited? No, no. because when does that ever happen? No, it doesn't. It doesn't ever happen. You never see the runner-ups get invited. You never see a joint thing. It's not like, oh, you guys were the championship contenders. It's the champion that goes. And not to mention, you know, Angel Reese is... Angel Reese is correct in the fact that they wouldn't have gotten invited because the whole reason all of the media were paying attention to this anyways was because of Caitlin Clark. Yeah. So they were really only doing this to like, oh, Caitlin Clark, you still were amazing. You should come. Mm-hmm. But we have to invite the whole team. And I'm sure Caitlin Clark and Iowa are like, no. And again, <laughs> like, shout out. It's like they're trying to bait Caitlin Clark they to really pay her as the villain. Way to, way to stay composed and everything because Caitlin Clark got faced with this question again. And again, answers it 100% flawlessly. She says, you know, I don't really think that's a thing that runner-ups do. I don't think we should go. I think that's something LSU should just go and enjoy. Yeah, as they should. Yep. You want, like, like Angel Reese was 100% correct. When I saw that article or just that breaking news come out that Joe Biden wants both LSU and Iowa to visit the White House, in my head, no matter no matter any circumstances that happened before in any game when has that ever happened in sports yeah i wonder if jill was just bored and she was just like let's let's stir the pot let's get, let's get, let's get our name you going know, the media kind of they started to fade away from the story a little bit let's just, <laughs> let's just go let me and, just do a little sprinkle sprinkle <laughs> into the drama 
But no, Angel Reese was correct. When when would you ever? When would I? I laughed when I read that. Yeah. As a sports fan, it's like imagine me as a huge Panther fan. The Panthers win the Super Bowl and they beat somebody. And like, I'm like, no, this is right. our time. Right. It's like Skip Bayless. You said it was my, my turn. turn. <laughs> my it's turn. My turn. No, it's so true. Uh, so yeah. Then following that, Angel Reese kind of just said, "We're not going." Uh, she declined the offer. She said, "We'll go to the Obamas." And you know, I mean. Sorry, Angel, but you know Barack's just going to be like, go see Joe. <laughs> uh, see, I but, think declining the offer to the White House is kind of... Yeah, and honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I know I know their head coach is very uh, upfront about her political stance, <laughs> so I wonder if she had any influence on yeah. that. Um, but, again, it's not up to the coach, it's not up to the player, the person that really makes these decisions, because you know they have to deal with all of the public backlash and... Uh, PR stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the athletic director. Yeah. And the athletic director, after they that came out saying like Angel Reese said we're not going, the athletic director said we will go. <laughs> they accepted Joe Biden's invitation to the White House. LSU will be going as a team. Iowa will not. Mm-hmm. Um, but congrats. I think that's the end of it. Um, but how about Angel Reese? She's only she averaged like twenty five and twelve, <laughs> and she's a sophomore. I mean, she was top ten in scoring in the yeah. NCAA. She is gonna be legit she is let's see if lsu can repeat let's get more angel oh, yeah. reese content oh yeah but. and uh how about a cha- household of champions um lsu's angel reese is cousins with uh jordan hawkins on yukon uh so two national titles yeah. in the same family same year how that, about that as angel said that cookout the next time they see each other <laughs> yep. at the cookout it's going to be a great time. When we come back on the Uptown Sports Crowd, we'll transition over to UConn versus San Diego State. Uh, give our thoughts on that championship game. So don't go anywhere. This is the Uptown Sports Crowd on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte. Listen to the Uptown Sports Crowd on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte 94.7 FM. So Tommy Tremble <laughs> wants to have a tough talk about turf. <laughs> We're going to have a tough talk about turf with Tom Are you Tremble. talking to be a Morris coach? <laughs> <laughs> Join Mackie Gallagher and Ben Cole every Sunday from 9 to 10 a.m. To look over, and I, I even and said, I think it was Mike Pereira. I think he's he the He said Fox they guy. didn't have that, that angle. angle. What? <laughs> Wake up with the Uptown Sports crowd every Sunday morning. And now back to more of the Uptown Sports Crowd on Fox Sports Radio Charlotte 94.7. Rainy week here in Charlotte. Well, I would say rainy end of the week into the weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about it on our show. I never get why it's always raining on the days that we don't work. And then when the days that we do work, it's a nice sunny and 75 outdoors here in South End and Uptown. It's something that grinds my gears. And another thing that grinds my gears is I splurged at the car wash. I splurged for Rain-X. I love Rain-X. When it just, when it, when it just rains on your windshield and the droplets aren't even breaking or covering the windshield, you can still see through it. One windshield wipe every now and then, but you don't need that high beam. You know that that uh, wrong that, thing. That super speed there windshield. High beams the headlight. High beam is the headlight. <laughs> hey, I'm not a car guy. I'm not a car guy. So let's say a uh, super speed windshield wipers. You don't need that. Well, 
I drove up to Salisbury on uh, Friday morning, and the rain was blinding. I could only see a car length ahead of me. I-85 was a mess. And within five minutes of driving the Rain-X, I guess I, I super speeded, wiped all the Rain-X off my out. windshield. And I was like, man, that was like an extra six bucks. <sighs> That's how they get you. Waste of money. It mm. was nice for the first five minutes of the drive after I left the gas station to drive up to Salisbury. But rain, rain, go away. Preach. Yeah, I'm tired of this. I always Poopy try, weather. I always try to say that I'm not that guy that brings up, you know, small talk weather, but I I, I have realized I this do. is like the third show in the last like six weeks that I brought it up. So my apologies, well, Ben. I know you don't like weather small talk. It's okay. I can I can still riff off of it. Um <laughs> Here's what I'll say. We're in that period of North Carolina time where you have no idea what to do with your thermostat. Like, it was 80 on Thursday, and now it's like 45. <laughs> oh, do you still have the luxury of controlling your thermostat? Yeah, do you not? No, my AC has been out since March 25th. Ooh. It is April 9th. Ooh. We have contacted the Realty Group. They have sent people out. And, Don't uh, you have an HOA? We do have an HOA. Does but that have anything to do with it? No, the Should... HOA only cares about if I'm parking in a parking oh, yeah. spot without they, a parking they pass. They only want to ruin your day. They yes, don't want to. I got, a, bo- I got a boot on my car where I live with the parking pass in my window. I had to text the HOA person be like, hey, not a fan of this at all. Please get it fixed. And the HOA person was like, as a courtesy, the tow company will remove the boot for free. I was like, no, I live here with a parking pass. <laughs> that, that shouldn't be a courtesy. That should be expected. Yeah. I digress. But no, our AC has have been out or has been out for two weeks. And you know, it wasn't that bad when it started off. You know, the wind was howling, it was raining a little bit, the cool air. It's like high sixties at night. We crack a window. I feel like I'm living in the in the south in the nineteen fifties with the breeze coming through, blowing <laughs> through the blowing through the curtains. And I hear, you know, the little chatter on the sidewalks outside my window. But this week has been hot. It's been eighty. It's been muggy. You know how horrible it is to get out of the shower, get ready for bed? And you're just already sweating again. Mm. Miserable. I'm a big guy. I'm a sweater. It's the worst. Yeah, and if I'm you like to genetics. sleep in warm temperature, mm. psycho. Even even with the even with the the fan on high beam, it, it's still it's still <laughs> hot in my bedroom. But uh, but last thing I'll say about the weather in my AC unit is when they sent out a guy to check it, he was really cool. Uh, we were talking a little bit. And we started laughing because he called the owner of the place that we're running from right now. And he was like, yeah, so this is what's wrong with it. It needs this. It needs that. And the guy said, the owner was like, how, how old is the AC unit? <laughs> and he was like, well, based on the serial number, the AC unit was installed and hasn't been changed since 1987. Oh, No. Who was president in '87? I'm just. I'm I don't know, but I mean, I'm a big Van Halen fan. But that was that was the peak of Van Halen. If your AC unit <laughs> was built during the peak of Van Halen, you need another one. That but, is very true. But man, no, it's a. It's been a fun last couple of weeks walking into uh, walking out from the 80 degree weather into my home that's like 79, 81 degrees. Uh, not fun at all. So if there's anyone, uh, if there's anyone who owns, you know, an HVAC company, and what's mm. a Hook me up. Yeah, and uh, also, we'll sponsor you. We'll sponsor you. You'll sponsor us, and we'll give you shout-outs. Yeah. Because you know shout-outs from the Uptown Sports crowd are Go worth a million ways. dollars, but we'll give you for free. Yeah, they're in, up there in demand with uh, Super Bowl commercials <laughs> and Thanksgiving Day Parade. Thanksgiving. So 
you know, we'll we'll see if we can fit you in. Get those prime spots in the uptown sports <laughs> crowd. They are going fast. Uh, we talked about the women's uh, championship game and, you know, all of the Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, Clark drama. I'm saying that because everybody else except for those two made it dramatic. Um, but now we're going to transition over to the men's game. The UConn Huskies versus the SDSU, the San Diego State University Aztecs. Mm-hmm. Once again, very similar to the women's game in a way. To where it wasn't, one team was leading comfortably throughout a majority of the game, but there wasn't really a single point where a team was knocked out of it up until the end, to where they just couldn't go on that run to fix it. It was almost, uh, it was a little different in this game, actually. San Diego State cut into the lead and actually got it down to five at one point, uh, deep into the game, and it looked like they were going to kind of make that late game comeback, but then UConn was just able to to surge ahead. But you were right. It, it did have a similar feel to the women's game. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little closer down the stretch, but then all, ended up being a very similar deficit. And um, even if and even if the final scores weren't that close, it, they both were still entertaining games to watch. Like it, it looked like a team could blow it open at any point, yeah, or a team could eh, cut into the lead. Yeah, oh, you're disagreeing with that? Just a little. I don't know how entertaining that men's game was. I mean, San Diego State, like I said, in the final four, and we'll get into this, they weren't going to shoot 50% from three again. They're mm-hmm. not a good shooting team. They're not a scoring team. So watching a team shoot 26% from behind the arc and 32% total from the field, uh, yeah, I don't care for that. Uh, that is one thing I do agree with De- De'Aaron Fox. Um, college basketball sometimes, just the shot-making ability is just not there, especially yeah. in a nat- national title game. I would like to see just the ball drop a little more. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was still a nice game, although – the country disagrees because I think it was the lowest viewed title game in a, maybe ever yeah, in a long time. I mean, I was expecting that. Yeah, four versus five. But UConn undefeated in national championship games in basketball. They're now 5-0 and in the title game. They are unbeatable if they get there. Um, and it's also crazy, too. They've been a three or higher seed, lower seed. I never know how that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've been a three or lower seed every time they've won the title so you know they've always kind of been the quote-unquote underdog going into the game but they find a way to pull it out and they were one of the most dominant teams in this tournament yeah they, uh, they definitely were clicking on both sides of the ball throughout the whole tournament and that was kind of the story of this tournament was how teams were very uncharacteristic with how they were playing straight from the round of 64 down it's very true UConn beat every team they played by double digits and we can kind of talk about our last week we gave our thoughts and predictions for this game and I think we got to give ourselves our flowers because mm-hmm. we hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said, first of all, our score predictions. I said 78-65 UConn. You said 70, 75-62 UConn. And we also said that it would be one of those games where the whole time San Diego State will keep it competitive. It'll be in that 7-14 to 14 range, but you know they'll go on their runs. UConn will build the lead back up, and it'll just kind of be like that throughout the whole game. Bingo on that. That's exactly what it was, except Bingo. at one point, except at one point, San Diego State did cut it down to about 5. But Come on, they, San Diego. Ruin my predictions. <laughs> but again, UConn pulled away after that and uh, still made it a defining win. But the final score was 76-59 with a couple of missed free throws and shots there at the end. It could have ri- you could have hit it exactly on. I know we were talking about it. I was like I was like I should have looked up. I should have done a bet on that. <laughs> right? Those uh, exact score bets can pay out a lot, but you never hit them. Don't do it. Gambling's bad. Um <laughs> UConn though really did just dominate this game. We we really this is what we expected. We said on the show UConn has just 
dominated every team they played in the tournament. Like you said, they were playing well on both sides of the ball. It just didn't look like out of all teams to beat them, it was going to be this Aztec team who just came off of a game where they had the, one of their best shooting performances mm-hmm. to now go into this where they really have to to battle an even better team than FAU. Um, and, and it really showed. UConn was the better team the whole way through. Three guys in double figures. Uh, Newton had a great game. He really extended the lead after it got close. He took over. Um, you know, they were 6 of 17 from, from three, 43% from the field. They were 24 of 27 at the line. Guys, free throws are so key. Even if you're not at the line as much as UConn was in this game, how often do you see these teams lose out on so many free points from missed free throws? I mean, I preach if to my to my YMCA kids uh free throws man just 10 shots a day out in the in the driveway and just make them routine you know mm-hmm. get there but UConn really dominating performance undefeated national title games five championships since 1999 what a program and that's and go back to free throws that's something that's you know Gets me thinking because my greatest athletic achievement was, you know, getting 15 strikeouts in a Little League game back in like 2007. But I couldn't imagine being, once again, one of these student athletes younger than me in the national title game in a football stadium in Houston. Once again, we should stop having basketball games and football stadiums. I digress. (laughs) But being in the biggest stadium that they've ever played in. Hundreds of cameras on them, millions of viewers, most likely, and you're just sitting there, game on the line, and you and all eyes are on you. Like whenever they make a free throw in that situation, that that just earns so much respect for me. They already mm-hmm. have respect for me just from being in this position, but just the nerves that they must be feeling. And then you know they talk to him after a game, and it's like I was just locked in, just another yeah. day. I mean, that's how it was. It really most the bulk of the scoring, actually, pretty much all of the scoring, other than. 16 points came from the UConn starters and of those starters like Newton, Jordan Hawkins, Sonogo, 7 of 8 from the line, 4 of 4 from the line, 8 of 8 from the line. Sonogo has an amazing game. In their veins. I mean just ice cold. Yeah, tap it. I mean it was it was crazy just they it looked like they had no pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean that's you you said it. I mean and at that stage it's so hard to even when you're a great shooter, a great player to stay dialed in mm-hmm. like that. And the final score was 76-59. And, yeah, they almost went by 20 points. But to me, that margin of a victory is still surprising to me. Not really in a good way because San Diego State had over three scoring droughts. That went over three minutes. Yep. Like, just with the pace and the confidence that UConn has been playing with throughout the whole tournament, I really thought that's when they were going to blow it open against Mm -hmm. them. I mean, but there were still other times throughout the game to where, you know, San Diego State was creeping out at that down 11, down 9. Like you said, made it to 5. Mm-hmm. But that that's the that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. And the ultimate reason, obviously, why San Diego State lost was because they had multiple scoring droughts of over three game minutes. Exactly. So what you're saying is offense wins championships. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar, this has been a long-running bit on the show. Uh And we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) It varies in sports, obviously, but but basketball, I've gone on my rants where, you know, teams like Virginia, San Diego State, these defensive-minded teams, it's hard for them to make, especially when they get down, it's hard to make Mm -hmm. comebacks, like you said. You can only keep a team from scoring so many possessions, and at the same time, when you're going on a three-minute scoring drought, just so hard to cut into the lead and build any type of momentum. And, And like you said, I mean, they were able 
to still compete and stay in it while going on these droughts. But it, it just hurt him ultimately in the end. You just you got to get buckets. Can't shoot 32% from the field and win a national title game. It just it just won't happen. And talking about household of champions, uh, going back to the end of last segment, the Hurleys. Mm-hmm. The Hurleys. Was it Bobby Hurley played for Duke, won a national championship, and then Coach Hurley for UConn yeah. won a national championship as a coach. Yeah. And so that's going to be another Big fun. Fam. That's going to be uh, another fun Thanksgiving for the Hurleys. <laughs> uh, and as we started off this segment by saying UConn undefeated in national championships, specifically since when, 1999, yep, correct? since 99. They're the only team in the last 25 years to win five titles. UConn has to be in that blue blood conversation, right? I think they do. They have to be with the UNC, the Duke, the Kentucky, the now UConn. Not to mention that they have the best winning percentage ever in like Final Four slash National Championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't lost in the title game. If I mean, there's it doesn't one get quality, any more than that. if there's one quality that I would love for my team or my school, it's man, I would love to make the national championship every single year. But if we can't make it every single year, at least I know most likely we're winning in right? the years that we do make it. I mean, five and zero oh in national championships in the last with different a coaches, little over the last two decades, twenty four you know, years. It's is exceptional. So yeah, now the conversation bodes because we've seen the arguments brought up on social media, other talk shows, and whatnot. Is UConn up there now with like maybe best program in the modern era? You are they? De- they've definitely. They're definitely a blue blood, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, it counts. I mean, and and when we refer to the blue bloods, it's you know Kentucky, UNC, Duke, Kansas. Well, UConn has a one more title than Kansas now, who's like a one seed every year. <laughs> um, Kentucky has eight, obviously, but they haven't won one. They've won one since '99. Mm-hmm. UNC and Duke are the only other two that you can really argue like that are better in the modern era than UConn in and my opinion Duke won its last one what like 2015? 2015 yeah and UNC did win in 2017 they choked against Kansas uh not you know this year but last year but and UNC tops off all of them right yeah With UNC has six titles all time uh three since 99 Duke has five all time three since 99 and now UConn has five all time all five coming from since 99 so from a statistical standpoint if we're saying the best college basketball program in modern era 1999 is modern era 24 it years it's yeah. gotta be i uh, hope it is or else computers I'm gonna, were out i'm gonna <laughs> i'm going to feel outdated uh i would say statistically yes i mean what defines the best programs winning national championships who yep. has the most national championships in the modern era starting in 1995 that's when we'll say or 1999 excuse me has to be uconn I agree. So you got to put some respect on UConn's name, and I and I don't know many people who aren't who are disrespecting UConn's mm-hmm. name. But still, you you know, especially here in this state, you you know, a lot of the locals are oh, like, yeah. "All right, settle down. <laughs> we still hold it down here between UNC and Duke." But do you? I mean, obviously you do. But UConn, they're on a roll, and you know, every time you win a title like this, you're only going to get better recruits. Mm-hmm. Better teams. Better funding. Better funding. I mean, uh, think of uh, FDU, Farley Dickinson. Yeah. I think of the upgrades they're about to get to their gym just from upsetting the one And FAU, they're getting millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's. I think it's pretty clear cut. Clear cut. (laughs) UConn, most dominant team since we've been alive. Now, going into the tournament with your bracket, because I know you only filled out one, Mm -hmm. 
I know you didn't pick UConn to win. I know Arizona getting knocked out kind of ruined it from the get-go because you were on a good stretch. But going into the going into you know filling out your bracket, going into this tournament when the seeds were set, the dates of the games and the rounds were set, was there a thought in your mind saying that like UConn could do it? Actually, yes. Um, I had them in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. I have them beating Kansas in the Sweet 16 because you know it's just so rare that uh, teams go back to back and. Most of the former champions actually lose before the Sweet 16 um, in recent years. So I actually had UConn in the Elite Eight beating Kansas. And I wanted to pull the trigger on them to go further, but they were in UCLA's region. UCLA has been a really hot team. They were playing really good basketball. It was just one of those things where it's just so hard. You don't know. I mean, because UConn started off the year unbelievably Mm -hmm. hot. And then they went like two and six over a couple of weeks. And the season was kind of falling apart. And then they kind of picked it up a bit and ended up obviously being a tournament team and in a four seed. But it was one of those teams where you know they have the capability to make a deep run, but do you really want to trust them in your bracket? Mm -hmm. So I will say yes. Uh, I honestly did. The thought did cross my mind, putting UConn further. And I had them in the Elite Eight. I, I knew they were legit. I just didn't think they were national championship legit again and like i but like i said a few weeks ago before the tournament started it's one of those years anybody could win it and we yep. saw it fau should have made the national championship they absolutely they, they choked. choked but they make the final four we see a 16 seed beat purdue who i knew was a fraud but none of the one seeds uh lived up to the trends of former champions so it was hard to pick one of them to win it all no team fit the mold for you know recent champions and like their teams it was one of those years it was just super hard to pick and it and it showed any final thoughts on the tournament before we take a break or any final thoughts on the tournament or the championship game more specifically honestly no i love march madness it was still it, like you said it was still an entertaining game to watch mm-hmm. love college basketball congrats uconn I'm excited for next year. Let's oh. let's get the countdown going. I've always been a bit of a UConn boy ever since I saw Kemba Walker hit yeah. that step back in the Big East tournament a couple, or not a couple, but years ago. And then what he has done here for the Charlotte Hornets or attempted to do with the lack of help around him. And uh, <laughs> speaking of the Charlotte Hornets in the NBA, when we come back, we're going to kind of give a quick preview of the NBA and NHL playoffs as we are transitioning from March Madness, you know, the postseason of college athletics, to now the postseason of professional sports don't go anywhere uptown sports crowd right here on fox sports radio charlotte and now back to more of the uptown sports crowd on fox sports radio charlotte 94.7 the up Town Sports Crowd, Fox Sports Radio, Charlotte, 94.7 FM on your radio dial. And as uh, Ben said, computers are a thing now. And so you can check us out on FoxSportsRadioCharlotte.com or download the Fox Sports Radio Charlotte mobile app because I know y'all like to be on your phones. I do too. So while you're on it, give us a listen at Fox Sports Radio Charlotte, the mobile app available in the App Store and on Google Play, just talked about the women's and men's national championship games in the NCAA tournament. Now we're going to transition to a postseason that is quickly approaching us, which is the NBA postseason. We'll follow that with uh, NHL because I know Ben is itching to talk about his Rangers. But with the <laughs> NBA, I mean, the, I just kind of, kind of want to talk about some of the new teams that we are seeing 
in the standings. Let's go Knicks. uh, He's a Knicks boy. He's a big New York guy. I'm a Hornets guy. And so let's look at the Hornets record real quick. 26 and 54, 32 games behind first. I think they can do it. I think (laughs) if we win out, we will be 28 and 54. (laughs) It will be a great time. (laughs) If we Uh, win out, we will be 28 and 54. So let's just give a quick uh, synopsis of what the conferences look like. In the Eastern Conference, you have, uh, and also with the play-in tournament, it's pretty much the first 10 seeds have a chance to make the playoffs with uh, seeds 7 through 10 participating in the play-in tournament to uh, solidify themselves as the 7th and 8th seed, the two last seeds in the playoffs. So in the Eastern Conference, we've got the Bucks at 1, Celtics at 2, Sixers at 3, Cavaliers at 4, your Knicks at 5, the Brooklyn Nets at 6, Heat and Hawks at 7 and 8, and then Raptors and Bulls 9 and 10. I'm going to transition over to the Western Conference because this is a little bit more exciting mm-hmm. in terms of the standings. We have the number one team, the Denver Nuggets, and then we have the Memphis Grizzlies at number two, and then the Sacramento Kings Light the beam. at number three, the Suns yeah, at four, Clippers and Warriors at five and six, and then the Lakers, and I'm only saying that because of LeBron, is at seven, Pelicans and Timberwolves at eight and nine, and then the Thunder, the OKC Thunder, the team with a gajillion first round picks for the next ten years, sits at that final playing spot at the tenth seed with the Mavs quickly approaching behind them. Real quick, NBA playoff format changed a little bit ago where they do these playing games now. I'm not a fan. Oh, 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 oh. Just for... Oh. Well, and again, this is a year where it might not make a whole lot of difference anyways, but why OKC? Why OKC, who are 39, who are below 500, why are they able to take a playoff spot from a team that is above 500? Why is I OKC? Why is OKC, who's below 500 with 39 total wins, going to take a playoff spot when the fifth win or the fifth seeded team only has 42? See, before we go on, I need you to recognize your audience here, Ben. You are complaining about the play-in tournament when you are talking to a Charlotte Hornets fan, <laughs> when my dreams of watching my team in the postseason will most likely come down to the survival of the play-in tournament. How did those play-in so games nothing go? you say will, will, will persuade me, will make me be like, I agree. I just know I'd be annoyed if I was three games of a 500 and then I go and lose in the one game, an all-or-nothing game, to a team that is below 500. That would upset me. So, counterpoint. If you uh, are above 500 and you lose the uh, the you know the play in the one game, some teams got to play two. If you're the lower seed, if you lose the one game to the below 500 seeded team, were you really supposed to be in the playoffs anyway? Were you really going to make a run? I mean, anything can happen in one game, but I hear you. No, that's facts. I hear you. But uh, the Western Conference. So right now, I mean, the season the is, East is set. Yeah. The East is set. The East is set. The season is wrapping up, or if it hasn't wrapped up already, I don't know if there's any, a few more final games later tonight. But uh, it's crazy, the seedings in the West for the entire year, how pretty much seeds 11 through 4 or 5 have been decided, or it's just the difference between those seeds have been 3 or 4 games. Mm-hmm. At some points, 1 or 2 throughout the season. We're seeing some different teams come up. The Golden State Warriors, are they going to repeat? I don't think so because they have the worst like win percentage on the road in the NBA, which is crazy. Yeah, they're 9-30 and 30 on the road, and 
obviously in a seven game series in the playoffs, you have to win some road games. Yeah, you're gonna play some games you, on the road. Uh, in the playoffs. You have to win. All right, well, let's see. I don't know the math, but I'm assuming you have to win more than nine games on the road to win an NBA championship. Mm-hmm. So nine and thirty regular season or road record does not look good for the Warriors. But I will uh, before you get into it. I just like this year in the NBA. It's different with past years, like you said, in the West specifically, mm-hmm. where it's just every team is right there, neck and neck. Mm-hmm. It's competitive. I mean, every game is has been exciting, and it's such a tight race, which always amplifies things and emotions, passion, whatever. It's just been a fun season. Yeah, the first four seeds in the West have been set for pretty much the last week. It's really seeds five through ten. ten. Three games separate them. Yeah. That's, and that's wild. That's how it's been the whole time. And I know the Lakers lost to the Clippers. That was the big game. They pretty much had the same exact record, overall record, conference record, home record, road record. Uh, they were very identical, and the Clippers were able to come out on top. Uh, the fact that the Lakers finally got above 500 um, is somewhat astonishing. <laughs> the way the uh, the way they've been playing throughout the season. I know the big uh, one of the big stories for the NBA season has been the Sacramento Kings. They have broken the longest playoff drought in professional sports. Mm-hmm. Last time they made the playoffs, I was seven years old. It's also crazy because not only did they make the playoffs, they they crushed it this year. Mm-hmm. They won their division. I mean, they made they made a couple trades, and people were like, "Uh, is this really is this really it?" And now they're sitting at the three seed. And uh, just a a little note about the Kings. I just like sharing this story a lot. Uh, a former Kings player, Bobby Jackson, born and raised in Salisbury, North Carolina. He was in high school when I was a little kid. Uh, my dad loved him when he was a sports editor at the Salisbury Post because he was getting a lot of attention. My dad was a sports editor of the local newspaper, and so every time he was covering a Salisbury Hornets game, uh, and Bobby Jackson, you know, inevitably dropped a million points on the uh, opposition. Everybody in the county, Rowan County, knew that he was going to the NBA. He eventually went to the uh, went to the Sacramento Kings, played alongside Mike Bibby, played alongside. Uh, Brad Miller, I'm coming back to him in a second, played alongside Chris Webber. But Bobby Jackson hosted this golf tournament in Salisbury every single year, like throughout my childhood, to help raise money for uh, cancer awareness. And uh, he would always invite my dad. My dad would go out and meet everybody, do a story on it. My dad would bring us. And there was one day uh, we rode in the golf carts with a few of the Kings players in Salisbury, North Carolina, uh, on this golf course. I was teamed up with center Brad Miller. <laughs> And we're talking, you know, obviously Brad Miller didn't know how to talk to like a six-year-old at the time because I'm just like looking at him. I'm like, this man is a thousand feet tall. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you already think at that age, like six feet is humongous. And this guy's like, yeah. (laughs) And so we're sitting there. And this this is one of my dad's favorite stories because the big game at the time was NBA Live 2006. Oh, I love those with Kevin Harlan. on On the GameCube. And Dwayne Wade was dunking on the cover. And I used the Kings a lot because I wanted to support the Salisbury boy, Bobby Jackson. And I remember I looked up in Brad Miller, a uh, starting NBA center on a team in the NBA. And I said, with the utmost in- innocence and confidence, I was like, you know, you're, you're, you're not that good on NBA Live 2006. <laughs> and he just looked at me and was like, I, I don't know how to respond to this. But like, he just laughed it off and said a joke. But I... With the Sacramento Kings. Every time I think of the Kings, I just think of that story and that day that I got to spend with some of the Kings players uh, back in uh, 2006, 2007. Uh, but light the beam. That's been the thing since uh, game one. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, Kevin Durant, 
The Suns are a good team. I like Kevin Durant as a player. I really want to see Kevin Durant win on a team where, like, he was the centerpiece from the get-go. You yeah, know, joining he's the Suns, always been the addition. Is he's always been the addition. He had the chance in 2016 with OKC. I believe that him and Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, and all them could have done it again. But of course, he joined the Warriors. That was a whole thing. But once he went to the Warriors, everybody knew Kevin Durant was the best player on the Warriors mm-hmm. when he went there. And now he's joining a team with DeAndre Ayton, who I think is a good young center. Chris Paul, who's the point god. Devin Booker, who's been one of the best shooters since he's been in the league since he was 18 years old. And a team who has had the best record in the NBA like two of the last three seasons. And so seeing that. I'm interested to see what the Suns do. Uh, Clippers with Kawhi is Paul George coming back. Uh, Timberwolves are making a push. The Pelicans without Zion. Here's my thing. Let's let's talk about the Pelicans and Zion real quick. This is your second playoff push as the Pelicans without your number one draft pick, your star player Zion Williamson. When he's playing, when he's playing, he's putting up numbers, averaging high twenties, averaging double double, monster on the court. But he is he has not played that many games since he's been on New Orleans. Like, if you're a New Orleans fan, if you're the front off, like, are you frustrated? Are you saying, should we get stuff for for somebody who actually plays minutes? Or is it one of those things, like, because, you know, if he is able to stay healthy, you know he's going to make a difference. I was going to say, it's one of those tough calls. You can't see the future. I think you have to eh, just feel it out a little bit longer. It's too valuable of an asset. People. Mm -hmm. He's too valuable of a player, though, to just kind of say let's let's go ahead and make a move for him just because he hasn't played a lot because like you said when he's in the game when he's checked in he's he's dominating no yeah he, so yeah. if you can just find a stretch where he can stay healthy for a long duration you can't pass that up on on mm-hmm. what ifs so uh, i know i don't think right now you look at making any potential moves obviously as the years go forward if it's still a similar trend yes but then again to your point it's difficult because if he does keep getting injured, who else is going to want him? Yeah. And who else is going to want to take that yeah. risk? And so that's, it, that's it's, it's, it's a tough situation. And Zion, similar to these players that we're talking about at the free throw line late in games, the pressure that he has had since high school, performing in college, uh, and then coming to the NBA, and when he does play, performing at the level that people expected him as, utmost respect for the way he's handled the publicity. Uh, final things I want to see on the Western Conference, the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, and uh, Kyrie Irving. Can this be a sustainable uh, sustainable relationship on this team? They are both great individual players. Uh, Luka Doncic, in an interview earlier this week, uh, he was asked, how much do you miss uh, Jalen Brunson? He said, I miss him a lot. Yeah. Which, Jalen Brunson's having a great season for your Knicks. Yep. And uh, I, I just think that's funny and weird that Luka like, would say that. Uh you know, Publicly. after just getting Kyrie Irving. I mean, I don't care. Say what you want. But, you know, it's one of those things where you're struggling for a playoff spot. You trade away guys saying, like, y'all need to surround Luka with players. And Jalen Brunson's having a great player. And you bring Kyrie in. And Kyrie's having good games, but it's not translating into the win column. I, I will say, though, in, in Luka's defense, what are you supposed to say to that yeah. question? It's like a leading question. Yeah, I mean, no. what they're, are you supposed to say? No, I don't, I don't miss him. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I hate that guy. No, but then, then you're just... You know, saying it plainly, there's not really any like added context. You're just like, yeah, I miss him a lot. Doesn't have to be as a player; can be as a person. But I, I, I see what you're saying. It, it's a not the best mm-hmm. look. And the last thing I want to say, the final thing about the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz eliminated from playoff contention Thursday night. Nobody expected them to even be in playoff consideration. I think past the All Star break, they have been doing great. Have some great picks lined up in the future. Uh, they're going to finish as the 12th seed. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing them up is because Laurie Markkinen, uh, he is now, he has to spend a year in Finland's mi- military. 
as Oof. it is mandatory for all yep. males under the age of 30. And all I'm thinking is I have never seen a player get eliminated from the playoffs and get drafted on the same night. <laughs> and so transitioning over to the Eastern Conference, the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, been a huge fan Goat. of the man. Huge fan of the man since I saw him play what live. What a likable guy. Oh, he's one of the funniest dudes ever. A freak in the court. <laughs> in a freaking, I don't know if I can say that in the, on the radio. But that's one of my favorite videos with Giannis. I watched him live in 2014 when he played the Hornets, and immediately, like, I, I saw some of the hype, but immediately I knew this man was going to be a monster. And I would love to see the Bucks repeat. I would love to see Giannis repeat. Um, I, I, I would just... The Bucks have had legends in the past. They've had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but with what Giannis can do, and you know him getting better at shooting, and just the the physicality that he plays with, he's just a great player to watch. And how much he covers the court. Celtics 76ers. Uh, we all know what they can do. They're a playoff team every year. Can they make it? Yep. Can they make it? Jalen Brown. What's going to happen with his future? Joel Embiid has been a monster MVP consideration. Three MVPs should be Giannis, Embiid. Jokic. Mm-hmm. I Agreed. honestly think it it leans more Giannis and Embiid. I agree. Jokic might win his third consecutive one, but Embiid has been putting up monster numbers. Just oh, had the actually, 50 I disagree. Games. I was going to say it should be Jokic, Embiid. I don't know if I would include Giannis. Giannis numbers-wise is just you're, up there. You're right. But you're if we're right. going off that. But they all impact their teams. But I think Jokic is having a great season. But I think when it comes to pure dominance on the court this year, uh, Giannis and Embiid, Embiid specifically, I think he should get his one this year. Mm-hmm. The Cavs with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, love Donovan Mitchell. Love the Spider. He. Sh- It'll be cool to see the Cavs if they can win a championship without LeBron, especially uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and this is um, their first playoff appearance uh, since, since LeBron left. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I think it's their first playoff appearance without, without LeBron, LeBron. Period. Which is crazy to think about. But Donovan Mitchell, amazing player. Uh, your Knicks are doing great. Julius Randle just got his $1.2 million bonus for making the playoffs. Jalen Brunson has been a great addition. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Bridges on the Nets. I mean, uh, the new Nets trio has already played more minutes weeks ago yeah. <laughs> than what Harden, Simmons, and KD played together. The Heat, Jimmy Butler and them are a good team. They're just boring to watch. And also, I'm a Hornets fan, so I don't mess with the Heat. Same with the Hawks. They don't deserve time on our show. The Raptors, Pascal Siakam. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, if you play fantasy basketball and you don't get Fred Van Vliet by the fourth round, you're missing out. And then you have the Bulls in the 10th seed. Uh, With the Eastern Conference, this one has been more set for quite some time. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Bucks, the Cavs, and the Knicks make the finals. And in the Western Conference, I wouldn't mind seeing the Kings, Lakers. I'm a LeBron head. You can make fun of me. I don't care. Or the Grizzlies make it. To be honest, I just like the I just like the youth on the Grizzlies and kind of I I like how they're you know the bad boy Pistons not as bad as the Pistons. They're more social media bad boy <laughs> Pistons. Uh, but I kind of like how everybody in the league just hates them. <laughs> yeah, I I, I want to see some upsets and and you know light the beam. I want to see Sacramento make a deep Sacramento run. Sacramento make and, a deep and run. I like crazy. LeBron and. This might be un- it is unpopular, but like you, you know, just being like, sorry, I like LeBron. I wouldn't mind seeing the Warriors make another run because I just think it's exceptional that, like we just mentioned, how bad their road record is and how kind of just average they've been this year. If they just turn the turn the switch on in the playoffs and end up winning another one, that would just be insane. And that will just show you the kind of team exactly, and dynasty yeah. the Warriors are. But. The NBA playoffs are one of my favorite times of the year, and it's matched up with the NHL playoffs. And I know you've been dying to talk about the NHL playoffs because you're Rangers. I mean, we're talking on Xbox as you're watching the game, and I just hear you going crazy. Go score! <laughs> and so, what 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 are you thinking? I, I did my I did my run through of the conferences in the NBA. Uh, 
I'm sorry I took up a lot of the time. Oh, you're good. But with NHL, uh, what what are some teams other than the Rangers? I know the Rangers are number mm-hmm. one, but what are some teams kind of like the Kings or the Cavs that you haven't seen in the playoffs that often that are kind of making a push this year? So the big one that sticks out, obviously, is the New Jersey Devils, rivals of the Rangers. Last year, they were a bottom-of-the-league team, considered a rebuild. I mean, they had just gotten the number 1 overall pick a few years ago, Jack Hughes, who has been phenomenal for them this year. But they flipped the switch, did a total 180. They are second in the Metropolitan this year, just a point behind the Hurricanes. They could win the Metro Division. Um they have just been great. That is a team that really could make a deep run. They play fast. They have solid goaltending right now in Vanacek. That is a team that could really be dangerous, and Jack Hughes is only getting more confidence by the day. Kid is amazing. And the Devils um, have been on, they, you know, casual hockey guy, but the Devils were kind of that sleeper team from the get-go, right? Like They got off to a huge start no, that yeah, had the hockey they, they world stayed, surprise. They got off super hot to start the season, and everyone was like, all right, just give it a second. <laughs> Relax. And then they kept it going. The whole time through the All Star break through the through the season, they're love to see it. They're fifty twenty one and eight. I mean, they're putting up really good numbers. But the team that there are two teams that people are still kind of focusing on. First, the Boston Bruins, obviously, hundred and twenty seven points. They're sixty one twelve and five. They're putting up one of the best seasons of hockey ever. They're breaking records. Who's gonna beat them? But. There's a big thing in hockey, it's superstitions. Whoever wins the President's Cup, which is the regular season, most points, the best team in the regular season, there's been a long trend that whoever wins the President's Trophy doesn't win the Stanley Cup. So we'll see if Boston can break that curse. But then on the flip side, the Colorado Avalanche, can they go back-to-back? Definitely. Yes, they're going to be in the playoffs. Great team. But they lost star defenseman Kale McCarr, who was a big reason for their push last year. Kale McCarr does not know when he's going to return. The team doesn't know when he's going to return. If he's out the entire playoffs, that could really kill the Avalanche's chance to go back-to-back. And then, just kind of as a joke, the the big thing that I want to touch on for the Maple Leafs, or are the Maple Leafs, as they have 103 points, obviously going to be in the playoffs again. They have been in the playoffs for several years in a row now, but they have not won a playoff series in, in like over 10 years. Which is so crazy to me. They And they're in it so much. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like eight straight playoffs they've made without winning a series. They really, really need to win a series because they have become like the meme, the laughing stock of the NHL. So I kind of just want to see Toronto win a series just so that city can just have a little bit of life. Rejoice, Toronto. Yes. Literally, Toronto fans every year, they play so well in the regular season and every year they're like, oh, I think this might be the year. Um but yeah, we'll see. And then obviously the Hurricanes with Svechnikov out. We'll see how deep of a run they can make. And then also, like we touch on the NBA, there's a very tight wild card race right now. Just a couple of points separate three teams and the Panthers, Islanders, and Penguins. Penguins have not missed the playoffs since Crosby's been on the team. And they're at risk right now of that streak ending. So I'm excited for the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the postseason. I love sports. But I think that's going to do it today from... The Uptown Sports Crowd. For Mackie Gallagher, I'm Ben Cole. Thank you for spending your Sunday with us, and we'll see you next week. Have a great week. Deuces.